Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. How's it going? Thank you so much for downloading another episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I am an agribusiness recruiter and really love bringing you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. Uh, love the stories, the, actually two stories that I'm going to get to share with you here today on this show. Now, if you've, if you've been a listener for a while, at least 10 episodes or so, you've heard me tease the fact that I want to do a series on agricultural and agribusiness investment. So who is investing in new agricultural ventures? Uh, what are the different types of perspectives and approaches to that investment? And kind of what does that look like? I want to tell some of those stories in the future. So this episode today is going to serve as a little bit of sort of a teaser or uh, an introduction, I guess you could say, into that series. It's not going to be a sequential series, so it's not like uh, the next you know five episodes are all going to be about ag investment, but you'll see more episodes like this popping up. And I would love your feedback. If you know anybody who's in the investment space and interested in food and agriculture, either startups or private equity or lending, um, let me know. I'd, I'd love to uh, include some more stories like this. But I, I'm really excited about this episode. Like I said earlier, there's about probably two different stories that I think are uh, supremely interesting about this episode. Uh, the first one is Ag Ventures Alliance. So we have Spencer Stensrud on the show, and Ag Ventures Alliance was formed in the late 90s with when some farmers in Iowa decided that they kind of wanted to take their destiny in their own hands. They were uh, experiencing a period of time with low commodity prices, and they said, you know what, rather than just kind of waiting for commodity prices to do what they do and waiting for the government to do what it does, we are going to take some of our own destiny in our own hands and start investing our money into um, companies that will add value to agricultural products. So they formed a an alliance of farmers interested in investing in agriculture. Now, at that time, uh, renewable energy was really big, so they started in, in those types of investments, and now they're very into investing in ag tech. But it still is an alliance of farmers that are making these investments. Such a cool concept, and uh, we're going to see the power of that concept here today with one of their investments, which is called Swine Tech. We have Matthew Rhoda on the show, and Matthew has a company called Swine Tech that is enabled by Ag Ventures Alliance money to solve a really age-old problem, which is sows that accidentally crush their piglets. And he's got a really, really innovative approach using the latest of technologies in wearables uh, to solve that issue. So I, I love both of these stories. Both of these guys are extremely passionate and articulate about what they do. And I love how seeing something that happened in the late 90s is paying dividends here today in 2017 with technology that probably didn't even exist or the type of technology that didn't even exist back then. So Really cool to see their foresight and how these investments are are paying off and solving real problems in agriculture. So I love this interview. I know you will too, uh, because if you're listening to this podcast, you love ag tech, ag investment, ag entrepreneurship. Uh, certainly going to get a lot of that here today. So enjoy this interview with Spencer Stensrud of Ag Ventures Alliance and Matthew Rhoda of Swine Tech. So 
really excited on the show today. We have Spencer Stensrud with Ag Ventures Alliance. Welcome, Spencer. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having us on the podcast today. Yeah, and, and the other half here is Matthew Rhoda of Swine Tech. Matthew, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Well, this is really cool. This is actually going to be kind of the launch point for a bit of a series we're going to do through late summer, early fall on financing ag ventures. Uh, we're, we're going to kind of touch everything from uh, venture capital investments to private equity investments and maybe even some crowdfunding and, and ag lending. So I think this is a really, really great launch point because it's a concept that actually I hadn't heard about before in Ag Ventures Alliance. And Spencer, uh, since you are the, uh, the, the worthy representative here from Ag Ventures Alliance, can you tell us a little bit about how Ag Ventures Alliance works? Sure. So we're, uh, we're actually a cooperative of farmers that got together back in the late 90s, kind of in a similar atmosphere to the way it is today with low commodity prices and uh, not a lot of profitability. So we're up in northern Iowa and these farmers got together with the foresight to invest in agriculture opportunities to try to build a market and improve the landscape overall for farmers. And what type of investments are you, are these farmers looking for? So it started off uh, back in the late nineties with a couple of ethanol plants actually. And they found some early success in that. And uh, it has set the organization up to, invest in a variety of different things today. So today there's a big, uh, big movement in ag tech. And that's what that's a lot of what we're focused on. And as part of your job to sort of analyze these potential investments, right? How, how did you get into this? Sure. So I grew up on a farm, I still still farm a small amount with my dad today. And uh, got kind of bit by the entrepreneurship bug at an early age. Had a couple of startups myself, which uh, helped give me kind of that perspective of the, the entrepreneur's perspective and the farmer's perspective. Then formal training was finance degree, worked in a bank for a while where I was able to see kind of different industries and what worked for them. Then this opportunity came up at uh, Egg Ventures Alliance, and it's kind of the perfect intersection of all of my diff my all of my interests and my passion of agriculture and startups. And generally speaking, is there a certain stage that a, that a startup would need to be in to to be of interest to to Egg uh, Ventures? Yeah, we focus more on kind of what's called seed stage or early stage, and this is really after the idea uh, stage of a startup, it's when maybe they've put together the early team or the founders in place and they know what they're going to do and they've got a plan to start with. So we're, we invest in kind of the, maybe the company might be raising a million, one to $5 million and uh, our check size might be a hundred thousand up to 500,000 at a time. And the investors, you said it's a co-op of farmers. Is it a co-op, you know, if somebody is a farmer outside of Iowa, for example, and they wanted to join, is it open to where a new investor could join the, the co-op? 
It is. And uh, it's really kind of a unique structure. We're almost more like a, an angel group focused on agriculture because the organization itself has this stream of dividends that come in every year from past investments. And that's the money that we're working with. So our members don't give us any money other than a small amount to join the organization. But uh, they, they have a chance to look at the deals that we're looking at and they can decide if they want to invest in, the, in that deal if they want to. But we don't have a separate fund for our members where they have to buy into it or anything. So you mentioned the dividends. Uh, you know, my understanding of very traditional venture capital is they're looking for that unicorn, you know, the one exit that's going to make them all their money to make up for all the, the, the startups that don't work out. Um, based on what you're saying, it sounds like you're, you all are investing for the long term. Is that right? Well, we do have a little bit longer time horizon than your typical uh, venture capital firm. We do still target that growth company, um, but we are a little bit more flexible in the kind of that exit strategy. Whereas we're, we are happy with uh, the company making money and sending us a check versus having to sell the company to someone else to pay back the investors. Very cool. Yeah. And, and we have one of your, um, the companies you've invested in swine tech, we have uh, Matthew Rota here. Matthew, how did you first hear about this Ag Ventures Alliance? So I was uh, raising money and presenting in Des Moines to a group of other angel investors and a guy named Jude Conway, who's uh, part of the Ag Ventures Alliance, was in attendance, uh, had some interest, uh, and then I ran into him again down in Phoenix and pushed hard enough to get a meeting and Spencer kind of took it from there. So it was just a, a matter of connecting and, and being persistent. Okay. And what is your startups called Swine Tech? What is Swine Tech exactly? Swine Tech is actually just connecting producers and pigs through sensor-based technologies. Uh, the biggest problem in the pork industry today really is that piglets are getting accidentally crushed by their moms. Uh, it accounts for the death of 116 million pigs per year, the loss of 80 billion pounds of pork. And we set out to create a system that uses audio processing to hear that piglet in distress, communicate to a wearable, telling the mom to stand up, saving that piglet's life. In addition, we dive into a lot of health tracking, behavioral analysis, and just about anything else that can improve the health care that's provided to the sow during the farrowing experience. Okay, wow. There is a lot there. Uh, so you've you got to know, first of all, uh, how to trigger the, um, the mechanism so that the, the mama will stand up and, and how to get the mama pig up, the sow up. Uh, how did you, how did you stumble upon this problem in, in, in such a complex solution? So while I was at going to school, uh, I was originally wanting to be a doctor and found that if I worked on a farm, delivering baby piglets, giving sedatives, C-sections, the, the works that actually helped me separate myself from my peers. So I started working for Schneider pork farms in Waterloo. I got a management position and started focusing on the economics. And I quickly realized that I didn't want to be a doctor. Uh, I wanted to, to be involved with business. It was just super exciting to me. But then one day I uh, had sow land eight piglets and I knew there had to be a better way. There, there's too many things that we are teaching animals to do, specifically pigs, uh, to make production more efficient, safer, and healthier for the animals. 
why couldn't we teach pigs not to crush their babies? As a person, when you walk through these farms, if you've worked there for even just a week, you can tell just with your own human brain when a piglet's getting crushed. You know the squeal. You can understand that. Uh, I just had to figure that a computer was smart enough to figure this out. Uh, didn't have experience in engineering or in uh, computer software. I was genetics and farming and business, so went and found some partners to help get the job done. And, uh, and that's what we've done. So I'm sorry, you, you, you did have an agriculture background before this or, or you just s seek this out uh, when, when you're interested in becoming a doctor? Yes, uh, I had an agricultural background. I grew up on a farm. Uh, my grandpa had a family farm and my dad managed a large corporate farm uh, around Oskaloosa, Iowa. And uh, with that, I was able to get a little of experience that made me qualified to get a management position while going to school full time. And is the, is the product, this product that prevents sows from laying on their piglets, is it called Swine Tech or does the product have a specific name? Uh, the product is called SmartGuard and just uh, consists of the monitor, a wearable, and, and the patches to put on the pig. And what is, what is the mechanism that, that uh, I guess, gets, gets the, the sow up? It's a wearable that uses an adhesive patch, uh, a medical adhesive you place on the mom. Uh, uses a series of vibrations and an impulse that tells the mom to stand up. Uh, what we do is we hear that squealing event. Uh, we'll wait a while, send a vibration to tell the mom, hey, you need to stand up. If she doesn't stand up, we send an impulse that will cause her to sit up. And then five seconds later, another that gets her to stand up. Uh, everything that uh, we do has been designed to not startle or uh, scare the mom, uh, just encourage her to stand up. Uh, it took a lot of time, but we finally nailed it. Yeah, I would think that would take a long time. How long have you been working on the technology and what's the success rate now? Uh, we've been working on it for two years and the success rate is about 74% of the time we're able to save that piglet uh, and uh, just over 90% uh, get the mom up. That's really incredible. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it seems, uh, it seems futuristic in nature that, that we could have a computer that would prevent that. And I think it's really, really cool. Growing up around pigs, I, you just kind of take it as that's what happens. You know, we have crates that try to prevent this, but it just kind of happens. And it's really cool that you have found a better way. That's awesome. Thank you. So um, you, it sounds like you were actively looking for investment when, when you stumbled upon AgVentures Alliance. Uh, how has the process been? Uh, I know you kind of, you said you had to kind of uh, chase down, you know, follow up and, and, and get the investment. Once you started talking seriously with them, what was the process like to go from there to actually getting an investment? A lot of the past, uh, past projections, business plan, uh, pitch decks, and just about everything that I could because I don't get to pitch to the, to the group. Uh, actually, Spencer here, I had to educate him enough so that he could pitch my idea to the group which made it very interesting, but it was actually a lot of fun because I was no longer just talking. I was teaching, letting him be as informed as possible so that he could best represent us. So it was a little different, but it was actually kind of fun. Very cool. And, and for Swine Tech, uh, do you have other products kind of in mind? Obviously, th this, this smart guard has a lot of potential, uh, you know, market potential in itself, but what is the long-term vision for Swine Tech? Yeah, so the long-term vision for Swine Tech is to be a data source to the, to the bigger companies like Bayer, Pfizer, to, to genetic suppliers like PIC, Newsham, 
uh, and to and to veterinarians. There's just so many things we don't know right now. We don't know how many times a sow milks or lactates uh, for their piglets. We don't know how often they're getting up. We don't know their health. Uh, th there's a real huge opportunity in the farrowing environment, but the trick is finding a cost-effective way to gather all that data. It just gives us the opportunity to attack all the other problems because we're right there in the environment. Uh, all the way from, to, from health tracking, heat detection, uh, detect. So Matthew mentioned Spencer that he had to educate you and that you kind of bring the business concept to, uh, to the Ag Venture Alliance in order for, to, to get the investment. What was it about Swine Tech that appealed to Ag Venture Alliance? Kind of the interesting thing about Swine Tech is that it, we actually saw Swine Tech a couple of times before we really looked seriously into it. And I'm not sure if, I guess Matthew probably lived this a little bit closer than, uh, than it seems, but uh, I just couldn't quite buy it the first time I heard it. It seemed like a crazy idea and not realistic to put a wearable on a pig and save these baby piglets. So I'd say he went through a pretty, when he says rigorous, I'd say that's definitely true because we didn't give him that much of a chance until the second time around, really. And at that point, I dove in a little bit deeper and we talked to people in the industry and that's where our network of farmers really came in handy. I was able to verify with our own members that this really is as big of a problem as he was talking about. And then we were able to find some pork producers and talk to them and see, well, can this really fit into the operation or will it just uh, get kind of shoved to the side and not, uh, not implemented? So he went through, he definitely did go through a process and, uh, we do always make our own presentation just because we think it helps the uh, our investment committee make a better decision. Gotcha. That yeah, that makes sense, and that brings up a good a good point for, for you, Matthew. What uh, what is the price point for a producer on this? To answer your question, uh, the price of our product is twelve hundred and nineteen dollars, and that covers the monitor, the two wearables, and one hundred and forty adhesive patches. This gives uh, a farmer the ability to oversee 140 litters with the device, uh, save about a piglet per litter per sow or a piglet per sow per year. And uh, not to mention it's a tax write-off since it's farm equipment. So the ROI is extremely high in the case of the farmer. And at the same time, we're able to truly make a difference within their operation. Yeah, that's really fantastic. So, uh, and Spencer, for you, from an investment standpoint, um, I, I know you said at first that it was difficult just to buy the fact that you could solve this problem. And, and you mentioned that once you talked to your producer investors, uh, that was when you really became clear that there was a real pain point here to be solved. Um, what did the process look like then? Who, who did you present the business plan to? Um, and what does the, the timeline and process look like to actually saying, yes, we're going to make an investment of X amount of dollars? Sure. So it started with Matthew making the presentation to me and providing all the material. And then I kind of went through it a little bit closer, responded with a lot of questions and uh, went back and forth quite a few times as different 
uh, questions came up. There, were, there was the question of, can they actually make this technology? And then after putting together as much of that as we can, or as much as we can know for a startup, I make the presenta presentation to our group, which is a group of five uh, board members that we call our business development committee. And they had... Uh, they had additional questions, which, like Matthew had said, he had kind of prepared me for as we went through the process together. And uh, going into that, I before that investment committee presentation, I tried to talk to producers. I talked to Matthew's own advisors to get their perspective on what he's doing and uh, and their perspective on him as a founder. And throughout the process, I got to know Matthew a little bit better and realized that he's really coachable, which is a positive for us because we all know that when you start a new business, you have a lot to learn. And uh, someone who decides they know everything right off the bat might have a harder time. But Matthew's been great at... Uh, at taking the best advice from every source he can get it and putting it into, into use. Other than being coachable, what are some other qualities you, you look for in a founder? So another big quality is, uh, is there uh, what you might call grit or tenacity or perseverance? Um, it's, there's a lot of highs and lows as an entrepreneur. And uh, it's really important to be able to keep going. It's, 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 not all, uh, it's not all the fun stuff. They get to deal with uh, personnel issues, cash flow. Um, there's just so many challenges. Yeah, I can, I can relate to a lot of those challenges, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we all can. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that makes sense. I'm sure there are some, some good companies that for one reason or another just aren't a good fit uh, for AgVentures Alliance. What, uh, what can you tell me about that? What, what are companies that you've had to pass on in the past and what's the most common reasons? Yeah, so overall it is really a small percentage of the companies that we look, up, look at actually get funded. Um, and there's and I'd say most of the ideas are really good ideas, but you've got to have the right team and it's got to be the right time for that product. And I guess we can be humble enough to say that we don't always know what that is. So we've got to pick and choose to the best of our own ability. Um, some of the companies that wouldn't be the best fit would be first of all, a company that can fund their own growth. If they don't need our money, that's great. They shouldn't uh, raise venture capital if they can fund their own growth. Um, on top of that, we're looking for companies that will make a large impact to egg producers or agriculture as a whole, um, which means basically that we're not trying to create extra competition for our own members. We're not going to invest in production agriculture because that's what we all already do anyway. So it sounds like the focus is really, at least now, more on more on ag tech software and that sort of thing. Is that right? 
Yeah, scalable businesses. We are still interested in kind of that value-added agriculture, new technology or new uses for uh, the commodities that we grow. But if you wanted to start a new, uh, if you wanted to start your own farm, we're not an equity investor for that. Great. Okay. And, and Matthew, I'm um, curious from your perspective, just on on ag tech in general, uh, now that you have been in the trenches, sounds like for at least a couple years, um, what are your thoughts on the current state of ag tech and, and, and where things go from here? Ag tech is a very interesting topic and interesting on the, uh, what's very interesting is the people that are getting involved. It's, it's kind of, it's pretty obvious uh, on my end why so many entrepreneurs in ag tech are hitting the crops and the cattle. Uh, I had a lot of friends and knew a lot of people who as kids growing up on their family farms were involved with, with cattle and, and with crops, but very few had any involvement with large swine farrowing operations. And in my industry, the only people innovating, they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s. I, there are not young people innovating in the swine industry right now. And, and it's extremely interesting. Another interesting aspect about uh, ag tech is there is a dis, disconnect between ag tech entrepreneurs on the coast, uh, California, and ag tech entrepreneurs in the Midwest. We do not have the same agricultural problems in Iowa as they do in California. You'll see a Midwestern ag tech uh, entrepreneur present on the coast and they just don't get it. And you see a coastal ag tech guy pitch in the Midwest and they're like, that is not a problem for us. So it's truly defining what region your problem exists in. Just, just because you have a solution for crops doesn't mean that it's going to be uh, adopted universally. You gotta figure out where your target market is. And I think a lot of people in ag tech have a hard time doing that. And ha has that disconnect between Midwest and the coast, has that carried into uh, raising money? Have you found it uh, easier or, or easier to get along with investors who better understand Midwest agriculture or how has that been? I'm lucky because, again, I'm very rare when it comes to doing stuff with pigs. Uh, I see most of the disconnects when it comes to crops, uh, whether it's drone stuff or anything around crops production, a lot of software uh, or some of the stuff to trying to fix with uh, water. Uh, and there's a sense of pride um, among, among each group of individuals. So it's, uh, it's, it's just really interesting. It's, it's very hard from what I've seen for uh, an ag tech person to come from the coast and get money in the Midwest and vice versa. Uh, I'm not sure what Spencer's perspective is on this, but traveling around doing pitch competitions, going to different uh, ag events, um, it's as if the two groups don't like each other. It's interesting. You got to be able to truly understand what motivates each group and, uh, and how you fit into the picture. I'm curious, Matthew, when you go out to sell the smart guard and talk to um, swine producers, what's the first objection you usually get? Uh, the first one I get, so from producers, is this, oh, I got a good one. Uh, one we got was, uh, this isn't going to work. And, uh, and I asked them why. They're like, well, uh, I walk through the farm and I can't even tell the difference. And I mean, how, how is a computer supposed to do it? So then what we do is we just walk them down the four, the four uh, simple ways of how we compute, detect, analyze, screen, and, and decipher 
when a piglet's getting crushed. Uh, and, and they're just kind of blown away at how we can pull sensors from so many different uh, areas into, into one product that solves their needs. Uh, another big one is the health of the sow. Um, will, this, will this harm the mom? And then when we dive into how, many, uh, how we've done behavioral trials and not only does it not harm the mom, it actually improves her health long term. And then some of the animal welfare specialists and veterinarians that we have backing us, it really solves those questions pretty quickly. And uh, we're right down into, uh, into numbers and how can I get started? When can I get it? And uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy working with pork producers. I'm just curious, have you ever been on like a sales call and, and heard a, a, a piglet getting crushed? Has that happened? No, no, I, I haven't had that. But uh, I can hear it from other rooms and, and know exactly what's going on. It, we have a lot of the recordings and stuff on our phones because that's how we had to start earlier on. So I've, I've been riding in my car to a sales meeting and had the, had my, uh, all my music on shuffle and all of a sudden a pig squeal comes up and it scares me to death. But, uh, we live and breathe pigs at this point in time. So it's, uh, it's interesting. That is interesting. That would uh, freak me out. I'll be honest. <laughs> well, I like my music loud too. So it scares, scares the heck out of me. <laughs> Um, now Spencer, for, for you, it sounds like you report directly to, uh, to, to a small, uh, a smaller board. I don't know if this business development committee or another committee of the board, uh, how does that work with in, investors? Now, are they kind of, do they elect that committee who makes the final decision every year or how does that work? Yeah, so we actually have somewhere somewhere along the lines of 350 farmer members and they elect the board of directors and then the board of directors puts together this business development committee and that can be board members or it can be other members that have a specific uh, skill set that makes them uh, more qualified or able to make these decisions. Um, so yeah, there's five people on that committee and, uh, they have varying backgrounds from different areas and it's always a challenge to present any company. They've got good questions and, uh, and always have to be prepared the best I can. Right. And do they ever give you strategic direction as, as in, Hey, you know, our portfolio is uh, a little heavy on crops and light on swine. So go find us another company like swine tech or, uh, Hey, we really think water quality is going to be a big deal. So go find us a water quality startup or is it pretty much more opportunistic of finding just the right company regardless of subset segment of the industry? So we, we do have some kind of objectives and strategy that we try to follow. Um, there's three people in our office here. The executive director, Jude, that Matthew mentioned earlier, has a lot of experience um, in venture capital. He's been at it for a long time, probably, probably more years than he'd care for me to mention. But uh, so he's definitely... Uh, a big help in kind of screening the deals and which direction we want to go. And what about for you personally, Spencer, what, what excites you about this industry and about the, the ventures that you all are pursuing? Sure. So 
Venture capital has been absolutely the most interesting work I've ever done and the most exciting. It's, I have the best job in the world. I come to work every day and I get to work with these entrepreneurs that are passionate about solving a problem. And, uh, and it's really, it's inspirational, really. These guys are, they have big ideas and want to do big things and we're trying to help them do that. So it's really amazing. Um, egg tech going forward, I think is going to continue to grow and, uh, it's kind of the perfect testing grounds for some of this new technology because even a small farm can demonstrate gains on some of these technologies. A small farm is still, you know, fairly large when it comes to small incremental improvements. And if so somebody's listening and wants to learn more about AgVentures Alliance, either from the perspective of a, a startup founder or a potential investor, how could they learn more about, uh, about what you do? Well, I would definitely encourage you to connect with us uh, or me on LinkedIn or Twitter or go to our website, sign up for the mailing list. I always like to tell people that we're farmers too. The only difference is that our third, uh, third crop in our rotation is startups. We try to grow startups. So I definitely would encourage people to connect online. Sounds great. And Matthew, for you, if, if there is a, uh, someone in the swine industry listening or just somebody more interested in learning more about swine tech or yourself, how could they get in touch with you? Uh, I'd say just go right to swinetechnologies.com or swinetech.co. Uh, my email is there right now. We are working on our, our next uh, website. So uh, it'll be up here soon with product demos, uh, pricing, and the ability to order online. And uh, Facebook is another good way to get a hold of us. Great. Well, no, this has been a lot of fun. I, I think a, a really interesting startup and a really interesting platform for investment that I had never heard of. So I am really glad we got to connect here and chat about this. AgVentures Alliance, uh, something that, that I think I'd like, you know, I would love to see more um, structures like that where you've got the farmers who know inherently about agriculture who are also making the investment decisions and, and wish you both the best of luck. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tim. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Spencer Stensrud and Matthew Rhoda and that you will get in touch with those guys, both from an investment and from an interesting ag tech startup perspective uh, and continue the conversation. All those links will be in the show notes. So go ahead, make sure you go ahead and check those out and, and get in touch with these guys. Hey, I have a really kind of special announcement about this podcast. Um, if you've been listening a while, you know that my day job is an agribusiness recruiter and that I have a company called AgGrad. And AgGrad has been the home of the Future of Agriculture podcast for quite some time. Uh, well, AgGrad has uh, kind of gone through a sh strategic shift, you could say, in its focus, and we'll be launching a podcast of its own called the AgGrad Podcast. So this show, the Future of Agriculture podcast, will actually be migrating to the uh, the domain www.futureofag.com. And that will actually be a Medium publication. If you haven't heard of Medium, it's just a blogging platform, but it's really kind of cool. You ought to go check it out. So go to futureofag.com and make sure you subscribe to that Medium publication. It's a great way for you to get 
the show notes behind the podcast, get some extra bonus features, you could say, behind the stories we share here, such as this one. And uh, just to kind of keep in touch and, and go a little bit deeper than we can go in just the 30 to 40 minute episodes we produce here on the show. So nothing changes for you if you're subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher or any podcast player. Stay there, uh, but also would love for you to subscribe on Medium at futureofag.com. Thank you so much for uh, for allowing me to talk to the sharpest and most talented people in this industry. And I certainly think we had great examples of that here in Spencer and Matthew and sure look forward to future episodes of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the future of agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com. That's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.